If you love stereotypes, I've got two for you in this episode. Stereotype one, women are born nurturers. We need to mother something, anything. We're not fussy. If a human child isn't available, that's fine. We'll make do with a dog or a cat. Sure, sure, that's what plenty of misogynists want you to believe, that all women want and need to bear children, and that women who don't have children are only filling the void with pets. And stereotype two, cat ladies are crazy, and it's their love of cats that makes them so repellent to straight men. I mean, I thought straight men liked pussy. And this is the Spinster Life Podcast, the podcast that is the goodest podcast. Yes, it is. But are pets a substitute for children? Do pet owners secretly wish that their fluffy cat or a scruffy dog was a human baby? Let's find out by talking to some of my favorite cat ladies, Laysan Kabibulina, Lucy Megason, and Haley Shapley. Up first, Laysan tells me all about her challenges adapting to raising a cat solo and the real reason her cat's Matana is, in fact, her daughter. Can we talk a little bit more about, like, your... Your relationship, because she's not cuddly. Tell us more about how you relate to each other, like how you live together in a space Mm -hmm. as two beings. Yeah. Well, she screams at me and I give her treats. I think that's really (laughs) the relationship that we have a lot of times. (laughs) Although I have to say that because she was growing up with two people in a household and my ex was a lot more warm and like cuddly with her she usually would sit with him on his lap and she didn't do that with me so i was nervous about her getting used to having just one person in a household a lot of times i would go away for work and i wouldn't be home for like extended period of time and i would come back and they would be extra extra bonded to the point where i would be sitting on a couch with my ex and then I would get up to go to the bathroom and she would jump right on my spot and just sit there and I would come back and she'd be like staring at me. So it was almost like they had a bond that my cat was very protective of almost. And she would like sleep with him and she like did all of the things with him. And I was more of like a person who was like, was feeding her. Yeah. And, you know, so when I started leaving with her alone, I was wondering like how that would go. And I think that she is coming to terms with it. And we're (laughs) developing, like, a much better relationship. She sleeps with me, which is, like, a big win. Not close to me, like, in my legs. And, like, one night, I try to... Well, in the morning, I try to lay closer to her to be like, let me inch closer to her. And I did, and she immediately jumped off the bed. She was like, no, thank you. (laughs) Um, Those are my boundaries. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were very clear. (laughs) And then yesterday, though... She moved closer to me and I was laying in bed and she put two paws on my leg. And I was like, we're making progress. Because I think ultimately she does want some cuddly time and she realizes the other person is not coming back. And so it's just me. And she's like, I guess I'm going to get some warmth from this Russian lady. (laughs) It's fine. And I've been trying to brush her and get like some kind of touchy time with her but she has a limit so i would brush her and then five minutes into it she like snaps at you which is i'm guessing is the only way for cats to really express themselves like what do they they can't tell you right they don't have like thumbs to do thumbs up like i'm good thank you very much i mean i guess like walking away that could also be a good boundary but yeah your cat chooses (laughs) to not and i i get it she gets touched out I totally get it. I also get touched out mm-hmm. where I'm just like, I don't know. Nope, I don't want to be touched by people. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that she used to do when I first inherited her as a single person, she would just start screaming at like 4 a.m. I don't know why. 
she would just come to the bedroom and be like, wake the fuck up. It's like, but what do you, like, what can I get for you at 4 a.m.? I don't even know. <laughs> she stopped doing that, thankfully. So now she wakes up at the same time as me. When I wake up, she gets up and she meows and we like say good morning to each other. And then I open the, you know, the, the curtain so she can see out and she like jumps in her basket and she sees out. And so I think we're establishing like a routine that she likes and I like and we can both enjoy. I also finally figured out this is maybe TMI for people who don't like talking about poop and for people who do like talking about poop this is the portion for you she (laughs) always since her childhood would get in a litter box and do correct things like a cat should do she like dig a hole she would stick her front paws and her face and most of her body into the litter box but her butt would continue to be outside (laughs) and she would poop that way and that happened in really large litter boxes small litter boxes in closed litter boxes, open litter boxes, litter boxes that were like inside over another like drawer, any combination, different litters, diff- like you name it, everything has been tried. Sometimes she sticks one of the back paws into the litter box and still like one leg is still outside. So she managed to, to poop outside a million ways of not doing it correctly. Even to a point where we bought like a litter box where you have to climb through one door in a tunnel and then the litter box is like down. So you had your front paws are downstairs and your butt has to be elevated. It is the most uncomfortable position where you have to like fight the gravity to get the poop out. You know what I mean? Yeah. She would still poop outside. And it's like that, like the acrobatics that you had to do. So we couldn't figure it out, but she pees correctly. So she knows how to do She knows this. how to do it's it. It's not like her body just doesn't fit. But anyway, this vet finally figured out the dilemma for me that I was fighting for five years is that she said she just needs two litter boxes. And I was like, what a fucking diva. I have a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> in LA. You know how small it is. Now half of it is taken up with two litter boxes. Yeah, you only have the one bathroom and you seem to do just fine. I know, right? Oh, she is my daughter. Because I was talking uh, once about what would be my dream apartment. And I was like, it would be a one bedroom with two bathrooms. And like my friend who I was talking to was like, that is the most ridiculous. I was like, you said ideal. I'm not saying this exists. (laughs) But truly, I need a bedroom. I would like the living room to be separate. I think that two rooms is enough for me as a single person. But I just would love to bathroom because if anyone is visiting i don't want them to go into my bathroom i just don't i want them to have their own uh, shit box and i think <laughs> maybe smetana is my daughter after all because yeah. i feel like she has the same mentality of i would like to pee and poop in two different spaces That's- yeah she just wants to keep it tidy yeah we used to wash smetana give her baths like pretty regularly and also shave her you um, did yeah you did because she would get so hot in LA and she would come in from outside and she would like a dog pant with her tongue out. And I was like, that doesn't seem normal for a cat. And so she loved being outside, but her fur is like so thick and so like lush and she would get hot. So we'd shave her and then she would go outside and run around in circles very happily. And so we thought, while she really definitely hates shaving, she really enjoys being outside. So I shaved her, and then one day I got high, and my ex got back home, and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I got high, and he was like, what What did you do? And I was like, I shaved the cat. And he's like, okay. And I was like, but only a half of her. 
And so I shaved <laughs> off, off of my cat and then it kicked in. Well, I didn't get high on purpose. I thought there was just like a teeny tiny bit left in the bottle. And then I was like, I'll just chug it. And then when I chugged it, I was like, oh, no. Wasn't that the cat's CBD? Wasn't that the time that that was the cat's? Because I remember there was one time where. Yeah. That because been because she's very spoiled and you do medicate her. I do medicate her. Why not get high together? It's family time. Let's be right. high at the same time. Catnip I tried, doesn't do anything for you. I tried to get her catnip wine and she was not into it. And I thought we can have just get drunk together. But instead we get high together. It's fine. I'm a single cat lady. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like accidentally drank way too much of some kind of like CBD or weed uh, oil. And then halfway through me shaving her, it kicked in and I was like, oh no, I can't do this. So I had a half shaven cat, like just halfway through her. One side or like? like One side. Okay. Yeah. It Not like very butt, butt or? That would be better. Uh, but no, for some reason I approached it as like, let's just <laughs> shave one side of her, like one right side or whatever. And she looked pretty ridiculous. And I also looked pretty ridiculous being just high. <laughs> with, a, with just a razor, just a cat razor in your hand. Yeah. But yeah, we used to shave her. I don't do that anymore because I don't want to. Your, uh, your story is a little bit different than some of the other people I've interviewed for this episode because you did. You got a cat with someone. Mm -hmm. And now you have a cat by yourself. And I assume things like shaving a cat, like I would not want to shave a cat by myself. Yeah. I would want all the backup in the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how has it been transitioning to being a cat lady? Great. A solo cat lady. I think one of the things about parenting, and this is, uh, oh, it's, it's hard to raise children, obviously, but it's hard to take <laughs> care of like a dog because you have to walk them twice a day. So obviously when you have a partner, it's just easier to do that. But whenever it comes to raising either a pet or a child, you always run into, like, you shouldn't do it this way. You should do it this way. And there's a lot of, like, back and forth in deciding how you approach the upbringing, even if it's a cat. Even if there doesn't seem to be, like, a lot of, like, you're not talking about what school to take them to or whatever, whatever. There is still, like, conversations about, like, well, you should, you really shouldn't give her this food at this time please don't let her out during that time like she really shouldn't be out when it's or whatever whatever and i don't have to do any of that shit it's like wow i made a terrible mistake too bad no one is here to judge me <laughs> but i feel like i had a, quite a few situations where it's like well she's being like that in the morning because you did something or it's like why did you feed her at that time because we decided that we should feed her at another time so not having those conversations and not having anyone to judge you, even if you did make a mistake. Like, I let her out and she got in a fight with this cat. She didn't get in a fight. She, like, tried to chase her and then the cat ran away. Okay. That's it. Like, there wasn't any They had of, an altercation. They, they had didn't an even altercation. Have an, yeah. But I feel like I would have had a talking to if I would have done it in my relationship and my ex would have been like, you shouldn't have done it or whatever. And here I am. It's like... And the situation is over, and I'm going to go talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> That's the way I'm going <laughs> to process that. But yeah. other than that, like, with the cat, it's so much easier. And I think for a single person, even if you're not at home, even if you're traveling, it's so much easier for someone else to go and check in on them. So really, the only thing that I think is not great in the situation, that she doesn't get as much attention when I'm not home or, like, I'm just working during the day and she wants attention, I can't give it to her. 
a couple of times she stayed out all night. She came back at like 2 a.m. And I was like, who were you hooking up with? Like, what were you doing, you little hoe? I think she just found a comfortable little like warm under the building hole, which we found she hidden a couple of times. And I think she just took a nap and then... Yeah, and then it got, it got late and then she was like, eh, I'll just stay here then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so that did happen a couple of times in L.A. At least L.A. is warmish. Most of the year, it's warm. Not warm. It's warm here. It's warm. Yeah. But in Oregon, it happened. And I was like, well, fucking good luck, I guess. I, I gotta close the door training. So I don't know where she spent the night. Again, I think she was under the house. But that's the danger of like letting her just go somewhere. But also, she seems so happy when she like gets to yeah. sit outside. Just need to make sure that it's in a safe way. And I don't really recommend anyone to let their cats out. Just really depends on the area where you're in. Like, I let her out in Oregon because we had a yard that was a private yard in LA on the west side. We had a private, like, balcony and, like, an area where she could hang out. And right now, my balcony is, like, inside of the building. So it doesn't, like, face any of the busy streets or any streets. So I feel fairly safe. And she is, like, kind of leash trained. Like, I started putting a collar on her again. She's very comfortable with that. And I attach a leash so she doesn't, like, go too far sometimes. Okay. Not all of the time, though. Sometimes I don't, which is irresponsible cat-owning practice. I She was so used to being Mm free-range. That is a way different thing with cats than dogs. Like, cats cats do. They seem seem to thrive. Or there are certain cats, like, they want to be outside. They really want it. And it does seem like you're depriving them if you don't let them go outside. Where dogs, like, yeah, they do, you know, they have to go outside. But I don't, you know, they don't just go on their own. They don't take themselves out. Yeah, we had a a cat that just came over and we tried to adopt him. Like, one of our friends tried to adopt him. And he was completely leash trained. So, like, Smetana is leash trained in a way that, like, I can attach a leash and she's not trying to, like, actively get out of it. But I can't walk her down the street right she will get freaked out but this cat literally you would like walk him on a leash and he would lead you and you would follow him like a dog and he (laughs) would like walk around the neighborhood and then eventually he'll get tired and he will lead you back home to his apartment it was incredible it was the only cat i've ever really seen that was actually like very dog-like loose train loose train yeah and would actually go for a walk and not try and hide under bushes or try and escape the harness yeah and whatever Dogs would be walking, you know, past him. He, like, would not be phased at all. He was like, yeah, totally normal. I'm normal. You're normal. Yeah, this is normal. We're both normal dogs just going on a normal walk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're normal. I can talk about Smetana all day long, even though sometimes I slightly, very lightly hate her for yelling at me at 4 a.m. or pooping outside the box. I do very deeply love her. I'm quite fond of her, too. I wouldn't go as far to say as I love her, but I am. Wow. She is a cat that How I'm rude. very fond of. Okay, good. I'll take that. <laughs> She'll take that. She's fond of you as well, even if she doesn't show it. I would say that's about as far as her esteem for me would go, is fond, <laughs> fond of. I don't think Smetana loves good anyone. <laughs> Probably not, no. In the true cat fashion, she's like, <laughs> tolerates you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Laysan. Lucy Megason is the host of Spinsterhood Reimagined. We talked about her feelings about motherhood and the reasons she got a cat. So I got my little kitten in July, the end of July. And yeah, that is how I came to have a kitten at the age of 46. <laughs> finally. <laughs> you finally grew into your cat lady. 
Exactly. Life. And because I do a podcast called Spinsterhood Reimagined, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to just play into this crazy cat lady thing. I'm just going to, in the same way that I'm trying to kind of reimagine the word spinster, as are you. I just thought, let's just embrace, fine. You want me to be a crazy cat lady? I'll be a crazy cat lady. I'll get a freaking kitten. So I did. And yeah, I absolutely love him. Over the course of my adult life, when I haven't had a cat or any kind of pets, you hear people talk about their pets and how much they love them and how much money they spend on them and blah, blah, blah. And because I haven't had one since I was, you know, 19, I've been a bit like, oh my God, you know, these people that get so obsessed with their dogs and their cats and, you know, in a really sort of patronizing, unsort of understanding way. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally get why people become so, just fall so in love with their pets. And I think, I think it's partly to do with the fact that they, they seem so vulnerable and they are so vulnerable because they're they're never going to grow up into an adult human so they're always going to have that vulnerability about them do you know what I mean even cats and even though cats are kind of crazy and scary and evil as some people think but (laughs) or you know independent and aloof as other people see them yes but uh yeah it's big love I'm not gonna lie yeah, they have evolved to do that. They have those big eyes, which makes them just just look childlike and makes us want to take care of them. But I think that bond is totally real. And I feel that way about about my dog. Yeah, like, it's it is akin to a parent-child relationship, and I think yeah. there's also some of that's some of the disdain of cat the cat lady is that oh, she's so pathetic. She doesn't have children, so she has to substitute with cats, but it's not really a substitution. Like, I know that if I had kids, I would still have dogs because I like dogs. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. And it's so infuriating the way that people think that because I can tell you now, even though I've even though I've just said that Johnny has unleashed this maternal side of me, there is no part of me that got a kitten because I don't have kids, not even one percent of me and I mean that from the bottom of my heart I didn't feel that the reason the reason I got a cat is because I wanted a cat no more no less nothing to do with replacing baby or having a substitute baby and like you say oh I can hear your dog barking it's yeah there's always dogs barking on this podcast I love it but yes I Absolutely, 100%. And truly mean it when I say that I never felt that I need. And in fact, somebody said to me, I think it was my sister actually, who said, Oh, you know, is it nice to have this, the company? And I sort of looked at her because she knows me better than most people. And I sort of looked at her and I was like, Well, yes, it is. But that's not why I got him because I didn't need company. Like I, I didn't. And I think, again, going back to the sort of cat lady thing, Perhaps people assume that we need that sort of company. And like I say, if anything, I was thinking before I got him, and I think I might have even said this to you the last time we spoke, that I was very apprehensive because I'm, I love living on my own and not having another being in this flat. So it's a funny thing. It's a very funny thing. We don't need it. We don't like require this. It's just something that you want because you have, you know, that you have the capacity, you know, you have the love to give you know that you can do it and you can do it well. And so that's something you want to do. Like how I know I wouldn't do a good job raising children. I know I can do a good job 
raising a dog. So to me, that makes sense. Whereas to me, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't make sense to have a child. I just don't have that like longing or that, that kind of feeling. But I, I know that I do before I got a dog I had, I was like, I had just like that, like lonely, not lonely. I had that, I just had that like little hole that I was like, no, I know that a dog, it's a dog's size hole. And that's, <laughs> that's what I want. I'm going to go quiet them because they're being obnoxious. No worries, love. They saw their dumb little dog friends and they (laughs) were barking. But yes, even though they're barking and obnoxious, there's something about dogs. I just, I love everything about them and I just want one in my life. Yeah, which is totally fair enough. Yeah. But like we were saying, you didn't, I mean, I suppose, well, you were saying that you had a kind of a dog-sized hole, but I think it's also fair to say that by the same token, you would be perfectly fine if you didn't have a dog in the same way that I'd be perfectly fine if I didn't have a cat and getting a cat I didn't get a cat in order to fill something that was missing in me. It was something to add to my already complete life in the same way that I say about getting a boyfriend. A boyfriend, if if and when I get a get another boyfriend, it won't be to fill a part of me that's missing. It will be an add-on to my already complete life. Yes, that is a much better way of looking at it. But it was, yes, it was just like something that I wanted in my life. So I got it into my life just like if I wanted a relationship, that would be something that I would add to my life. <laughs> it's very difficult to not start talking about relationships as well when I'm on a Zoom call with you. <laughs> but this is just about cats. Just about <laughs> cats. <laughs> it's about your relationship with your cat. Does he like c- come when you call him? Like if he's outside Absolutely. and you Absolutely. call him? He does. There's only, but so because he's only little and he's still relatively small. I mean, he still looks like a kitten, you know, he's, he's, he's not fully grown because he's only five and a half months. But so when I put him out, I'm doing it in sort of stages and he goes out for more longer and longer time as the days go by. But the way that I've done it is for a start, I only let him, because I haven't yet got a cat flap. I'm going to get a cat flap, but I haven't, I haven't organized it yet. But Basically, when I put him out, it's only when I'm home. So I'll never put him outside if I'm at work or if I'm going out or whatever. And actually going back to the sort of feeling like, you know, you're their mother. When I first started putting him out, I would literally be filled with absolute terror that he just wasn't going to come back or something was going to happen to him or someone was going to steal him or he was just going to get lost or whatever. So what I tend to do is when he's out, I'll check on him at least once every, I mean, the longest I think I've gone without going out and checking on him was about an hour and a half. But normally it's much more than that. In, in fact, probably that's a, a time when I did that was when I was doing a Zoom recording like this and I put him out so that he wouldn't meow all over the place. That's another annoying habit actually yeah. is every time I now record, because I live in a studio, so I can't shut him in another room. Without fail, every time I record an episode he starts fucking around. He'll either start meowing or he'll start jumping up on me or he'll go and really noisily scratch around in his litter tray or something like that. Or because I started, when I do my solo episodes, I record them into my iPhone. And to try and get slightly better sound, what I do is I sit in my chair with my dressing gown over my head. (laughs) like a freak. And of course, me sitting under a dressing gown is just too intriguing to him to not do something about. To be fair to the poor guy. But anyway, um, 
Yes. So he does, and I completely gone off on a tangent, but yes, when I go out to get him, if he doesn't immediately sort of come running when he hears the door open, um, normally within a couple of minutes of me going out and sort of calling him, he comes whizzing along. And there's only been about two occasions in the last sort of month that he's been going out where I've gone out and he's been nowhere to be found. And I've had to really give myself a talking to like, Lucy, he's a cat. He's fine. He's gone off. You know, he's exploring. He will be back. And I've had to force myself to come back in and then go out in another half an hour. And inevitably he's come back. And actually he's not in my flat with me now, not because he's outside, but he's upstairs having a play date with his brother, (laughs) Jasper. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh my God. So yeah, that's where he is right now. Because of course, Louise, my neighbor who lives upstairs, got one of the kittens. So brothers living in the same building, which actually is a lifesaver because it's lovely. I can totally see why people get two kittens. It makes complete sense, but it's really lovely for him to be able to go up there and have play dates with Jasper on, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking a hell of a lot about my cat and I'm slightly worried that I'm coming across as a complete lunatic. But I think that's that's why I wanted to do this episode to show that. So I'm like, proving the point that I am no. crazy cat. No, well, yeah, that you are a cat lady, but that you're not crazy. Like you have a pet and you're trying to give this animal the best life that it could possibly have. Totally. And one thing just while it while it occurs to me is that I sometimes look at him and very wary of saying this because you can hear all the mums of the world going, no, it's not the same as having an actual baby. Yes, of course, it's not the same as having a baby, but it's probably the closest that you and I are ever going to get. So just give us that, guys. But sometimes I find myself looking at him and I feel like a mother because I I can hear my thoughts going, all I want is for you to be happy and safe. That's all I want for you, you completely divine creature who I love with my whole heart. All I want for you is to be happy and safe and warm and dry and fed. Then And then, you, you know, you can understand it's like, well, if I know that Johnny is happy and safe and warm and dry and fed, then I'm happy. It's like happy cat, yeah. happy life instead of happy wife, happy life. <laughs> that is my point that we all know that it's not the same as an actual human child. Because we're not stupid. Right. But those, it is, it's those same type of feelings. And we and- do put that level of like emotional effort and love and care into our relationships with these animals. Exactly, exactly. Which and that's exactly why, as I said earlier, I've I've actually done it. Hasn't gone out yet, but I've done a minisode called and it this the, the title of the minisode is something weird has happened to me, <laughs> and that <laughs> something weird is that I've turned into a mum since getting a kitten, and it's it's actually because I, I I I think we talked about this on the previous recordings about broodiness and how I have been feeling really really broody for the last few years, although. I'm 100% child free rather than childless. And I love not having kids and it's great, but I have had certain feelings of broodiness over the last couple of years. And it's very strange how getting a kitten rather than getting rid of those feelings, it's actually brought them to the surface even more, which is really was completely unexpected for me, completely unexpected. But yeah, I mean, we, of course we feel those 
because at the end of the day, it is a live being that we are 100% responsible for. And we just want to love it and look after it in exactly the same way that a mom wants to love and look after her baby. And it is, it's a responsibility that we've taken on. And we should want to do a good job. We should want to make the animals happy. We should want to give them everything we possibly can. And we should be invested in them. Like we, it's our responsibility to to do this. 100%. Thanks, Lizzie. It's always a delight to talk to Haley Shapley, author of Strong Like Her. We discuss how she makes sure that her cat, Kai, is happy. When I originally adopted him to be like a city kitty, and I tried to leash train him, and I thought that we were going to go on like hikes together, put him in a backpack, and he was going to be this like adventure cat. That's not him. He is like (laughs) the definition of an indoor cat. That is where the term came from. Like he only likes to be indoors. I took him out in the snow once and you should have seen the look on his face. He was like, (laughs) what have you done? Why are you torturing me? The ultimate Um, betrayal. Yes. He felt extremely betrayed at that moment. So I had to give up on on the leash training because he was so skittish and just completely scared that I wasn't getting anywhere with it. Yeah. And that's, isn't that the thing about when you get a pet, you just want them to be happy. So even if like that, your vision of what you wanted for them or something you thought would make them really happy because being outside should make a cat happy. There's so many things to see and smell and pounce on. You, you just change the plan and you're like, all right, bud, you're inside from now on. You're just going to hang out here. Yeah. And you can't bend anyone to your will. He is going to be who he is. But it's funny, you just mentioned like you want him to be happy. I was surprised by how much I worry about his happiness. (laughs) I really just like hope that he feels stimulated and nourished and like all of these things that you hope for people in your life. And I'm just like, I really hope that you feel like you're having a good life, buddy. Um, <laughs> and I can't, I yeah. can't know for sure, but he seems happy. I, I, I try. Yeah. You're doing everything you can. I feel like, you know, you have the bond with an animal and you can tell like, when something's not right or they're not a hundred percent happy. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was joking before about how we have space in our lives for multiple relationships, but I think <laughs> that's in all seriousness, it's good to have multiple relationships, right? It's yeah. good to have those messy, complex like relationships with other humans. Of course, we crave that. We're social creatures. But pets can teach us an absurd amount about life and ourselves. And there's a reason that we have domesticated these animals and continue to to own pets at such high rates because they do add value to our lives. They absolutely do. In a way, they are parasites. <laughs> you know, on a, like they just they take from you, they take shelter, they take food, they take all of these things from you, but they do give back so much more than they take. Yeah, that's a great point. Sometimes I'm like Hey, Kai, can you get a job modeling or something to pay for, you know, contribute to these household expenses? And he won't do it. And I'm like, what what are you giving? What are you giving back to me? Yeah, you're absolutely right that what what a pet gives back is um, is not necessarily quantifiable. But I think if you talk to any pet owner like they there's there's so much that you are getting from it. 
Yeah. And I want to go back to the point that you made about, you know, the, the women having multiple relationships, you know, having room in their in their lives for multiple relationships that I mean, that was wasn't that a way to control women? If you say like your only important relationship is your home and your family, your children, your husband, and that is the most important role of supporting them. And that was just a way to keep women in their place and and really tell them how to spend their time and how to allocate their emotions. There was a point when close female friendships started that was discouraged past childhood. It was a childish thing for you to have really close female friendships. But to be able to have more relationships really opens things up for women to have multiple areas of support, have multiple ideas coming in. And it really lets women be more free. Definitely. I mean, I think, of course, the more people you come into contact with, the more diverse perspective that you gain on all kinds of issues and and the more likely you might be to reconsider some things that you're doing in your life or that you think. And thus, by keeping women in, in only one role, you can minimize the chance that there might be that rebellion, that that might happen. And and so I think it is important for everyone to have contact with multiple people, you know, to, yeah. gosh, I, in my book, I talk about back in ancient Greece, in particular in Athens, women were not supposed to go outside of the home, like at all. And you were not supposed to know any men beyond your brother's father and husband. Like it was considered improper for you to be acquainted with any other men. And what a lonely life that is. I, I mean, yeah. I think that they were able to have female friends, but still they weren't supposed to be seen outside of the home. And that's extremely limiting. And we see different versions of that in other cultures and time periods throughout history. But I don't think that being locked away has ever done a lot of good for anyone. No, it hasn't. And cats are, they are home creatures. But I think that to to care for a cat properly, you still do have to put yourself out there a little bit and go and get supplies or go and get help or go to the vet. Like you, you at least will have some more interactions because of your relationship with the animal. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's honestly brought me closer to my neighbors because they do cat sit for him when I'm traveling and they're always like checking in to see how Kai is doing. And I had one neighbor I really didn't know all that well who started cat sitting for me and we became friends through it. And he's in a band and his bandmates started to come over when I was traveling and hang out in my house and watch Kai and they'd send me videos of him and stuff. And I don't know, it was just great. It was really community sort of thing. It brought people together who otherwise wouldn't have known each other. So he's a little social node too. He doesn't like to travel, but he does love to go to my parents' house as well. And so he rides the ferry over there. He hates it. But once he gets there, he runs around and he just loves it. Like when my mom calls me, she asks usually how Kai is doing before she yeah. asks how I'm doing. So <laughs> it's definitely become part of the family. They really are. They're um, they're family members. And families all look different. So if it's you and your husband and your kids, that's the way a family looks like. And so is one woman and her cat. That's me. Here it's I am. A great, it's a great family. It's a great little family. The cute little family. Thanks, Haley. Cats or any pets are not direct substitutes for children. 
We all know pets are not human children, and frankly, that's part of the appeal. But that doesn't mean that they aren't worthy of our love, attention, devotion, and care. And it doesn't mean that they don't contribute something substantial to our lives. Part three of this Cat Lady series is coming soon, where we'll talk more about the origins of the phrase Cat Lady. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.